Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have a heck of an episode for you today. In part one, we are recapping that three to one thumping of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds by your FC Cincinnati in the Open Cup quarterfinals. A heck of a win. How about Barrial's goal? In part two, we are talking about Leo Messi officially coming to Major League Soccer. What does this mean for the league? What does this mean for FC Cincinnati? What is the future of the league going to look like? In part three, we give you a little prediction of the Vancouver match, and that's going to be your postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that, we've got the chief tonight. No Grayson. Grayson, again, off to parts unknown. Uh, if you see Grayson, please let us know. We are worried about Hawk him. Talk and wave. <laughs> <laughs> Although chief. if he's still driving by the time this episode releases, he's in real trouble. That's that's a good point. There was a, a tiny percent chance we were going to get Grayson tonight. The Zoom link is open. We may get Grayson at some point in this episode. Um, But until then, you're stuck with the Chief and I. And wow, what a a day for it just to be the the two of us. We will certainly touch on as much of this as we can as we go through through this episode. But a a heck of a day to be an American soccer fan, eh? There are days where you're just happy to experience it with everybody else. <laughs> um, today was one of those days. And I, I, what I'm very happy about is that we won that game last night in the yes. Open Cup because I wouldn't want to sit online and read about soccer having been dumped out of the cup by a USL team. <laughs> that would have been tough. I would have found myself getting angry at what yep. may or may not have happened the night before. So I don't think I would have been in the proper mood to appreciate (laughs) what a tremendously nonsensical day today was in American soccer. I don't think I would have been in a headspace to appreciate that. Right. If it also wasn't coming on the heels of just an awesome night out at TQL for the Open Cup. Right. Uh, the, The vibes in Cincinnati are well high right now. Yeah. So like, it's fun to be a soccer fan right now in Cincinnati. And that goes along with everything else uh, that comes with it. And yeah, man, that was, that was an exciting game against Pittsburgh. It was, I was thinking about this on the, on the ride home from uh, TQL stadium in a lot of ways. It was like, the perfect i don't want to say the perfect game but it was like the perfect open cup match because you you came into this when everybody comes into this one we should destroy them we're the number one team in mls and destroying teams isn't necessarily our calling card but we should be destroying a, a lower division team but they built up just enough frustration in that first half you're like all right fuck these guys. I really want to win this. And then they went out and did it in the second half. And you got that, like that sweet release of the second half of like, you finally got to see it happen. If we'd beat them five to nothing and scored four goals in the first half, I wouldn't have come away feeling so good about that game as good. I oh, should I say. Felt, I would have felt great no matter what. No matter how <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's interesting though. Is this what being good feels like that? There was no point in that game. If I'm being really honest yep, with myself, yep. 
there was no point in that game where I thought they weren't going to pull this out. Like even yes. as I was watching the first half and mm-hmm. all you can think about when you watch something like that is the longer this game goes scoreless, the better it is for them, the better yep. it is for them because their game plan was we're going to have uh, <laughs> we're going to we're going to get this. We're going to win this game one nil. Yep. It's going to be some fluke goal on a set piece or a yep. turnover or barring that. We're going to take this game nil nil all 120 minutes and we're going to bet on ourselves in a coin flip in PKs. But even knowing that was the plan and even knowing that the clock is ticking and every minute benefits them, there was never a moment where I was like, we're fucked or we're fucking this up. But there was no during the day. If I'm again, if I'm being honest, I wasn't worried. No. Is that is this what feeling good feels like? Is this like what I've been missing? All of these years as an FCC fan and MLS. <laughs> this is what I've been I've been missing as a sports fan for essentially my entire life. Um, I uh, I'm glad you brought this up because I have a confession to make, which is I have felt this way for like the past month in Major League Soccer. Like I have felt very confident that FCC is winning games. We can be losing late, and I just know, hey, this team's fine. We we may not win this one. We're not losing this one. And it felt really good again to to walk into this game. Yes, absolute perfect trap set uh, with this game. Like Pittsburgh with Lily Ball, this is what they do. This is how they – Pittsburgh, very similarly to FCC, have a stout defense. They don't beat you by a lot of goals, but sneaky, sneaky, they have the USL's leading goal scorer on their team, and they just – they exist to frustrate you and and to beat you when when you're at your weakest. And we – we passed that test with flying colors. This team came out fine in the second half and it was over. So I want to talk about that feeling a little bit more. Yeah. Cause the problem is, is that I feel like a horse shit sports fan when I'm confident. <laughs> like I feel genuinely whenever I get overconfident in something yep. Yep. that that's when the sports gods are going to snatch it away. Absolutely. I, I get superstitious about having tweets pre-written during the game. <laughs> about like i know for a fact yep. that you know i've told the other people to have the account password lay out i'll take the the post game i'm gonna tweet out asking people for gift reactions after a win i never have that pre-written because i'm superstitious yeah i have deleted jokes i want to make online because <laughs> i just i don't feel like it's right to ever feel confident i yep. feel like i'm doing something wrong i feel guilty i feel this catholic sense of guilt <laughs> at confidence when I'm watching a sports game. Is it, what is that? Why I, why can't I feel normal? I I I attribute it to I guess when I was in like middle school I was watching one VH1 behind the music thing and I feel bad because I can't remember who the artist was. It was a, a, a female pop stars as far as I can get. That I have no idea who it was. Uh, but they said something along the lines of the day you don't feel nervous before you go on stage is the day that like it all goes wrong for you it's like oh okay so like anxiety is good for you i guess was the lesson that i internalized from that (laughs) i guess that's cheaper than therapy just admitting that anxiety is normal um (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like this is like a world famous pop star who i doubt was even singing her own songs on that stage and was feeling nervous so yeah So so should i have permission to feel 
okay. Because I feel bad that I feel confident. I feel bad that I did that Pittsburgh didn't make me nervous. I felt right. I looked all up at their fans up in the corner and I looked at the players in the field. And all I could think watching them was, I'm supposed to fear you. I don't. <laughs> I don't. And then that made me afraid more than Pittsburgh, more than anything right, they were going to do. Right. If they scored, we were going to score too. I just, I knew that. But saying it aloud feels wrong. Like, like yeah. even when we did our predictions on Sunday, where I said 1-1 yeah, is what I was yeah, feeling. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I knew we were going to win, but I feel like if I say that <laughs> confidently, it's that, that I'm going to, I'm going to somehow make it not real anymore. I don't know. Right. I got to, right. I, I, I need to talk to a professional is what I need to do. That's the obvious game, thing here. The, I, this game in particular too is an interesting one because I did feel nervous against Louisville. I felt plenty nervous against Columbus. You know, I don't want to be losing to those rivals and and the fear of losing is more than the excitement of winning in those games. But yeah, this one, I I like to think of it this way. If you're if you're uh you know consider yourself a rational thinker, somebody who who values logic, um on the evidence. We should be very confident going into every game until there is contrary evidence because everything that we've seen so far is that, yes, they're capable of a fluke. They're capable of a fluke. But on balance, they're going to win the vast majority of these. It's fun. It's just fun. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. And it's, it's also, they have come out the other side. Almost. They have almost come out the other right. side. They have one game left, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. In this just we looked at this on the schedule and Gosh. all we thought was this is a gauntlet. This is a death march. If they can, you know, manage to not completely capsize during this and keep the ship steady, they'll be well set up for a run. And they not only didn't capsize, they just <laughs> mowed their way through all these games methodically <laughs> with minimal drama. Which is insane because they're missing. Again, their star DP, who is supposed to be carrying this team. And by that, I mean Brandon Vasquez. And oh, by the way, Brenner's <laughs> also gone. <laughs> and yeah, it's uh, this this team is doing so much better. I know a lot of the uh, the stats and uh, we didn't play a league game, whatever. I'm still bringing this up. Uh, all the stats say, you know, hottest start, fastest start, best start in the non uh you know, penalty kicks or non-shootout era. Um, I think if we win against Vancouver, we will have tied the best start, including the shootout era. And if we get one more win, we will have surpassed the shootout era record. Wow. So, I mean... It's unbelievable. <laughs> these these records are, are in our sights, and you wouldn't bet against them. Um, yeah, man. And it's, I, it's, yeah. It's, also, it's also fun, too, that the team isn't shying away from any of this. Nope. That there isn't Noonan. Just when you listen to him talk, he knows he's got something mm -hmm. and he doesn't back away from it. He doesn't brag about it, but it's also, he knows he's got a squad that he can go win with. And he goes out last night in this open cup game and they play the A team. Why? Yeah. Cause if we roll the A team out, we win. We've got guys <laughs> who are, they've managed to give enough rest to that they're able to go in these games. And 
you don't worry about these games because you're not relying on kids and rotational starters. They've made the decision. They want to go win the Open Cup. And I don't know that we in Cincinnati really appreciate how rare that is for an MLS team to decide, you know what? We got it. We're We're winning all of it. We're going to win all of it. (laughs) That there, there, there wasn't even a thought in anyone's mind ahead of this game that they would rest players or they would rotate players. They would try to see if they could sneak through with a 50, 50 lineup. Nope. They go out there, they throw a lineup out there. And I think you would say the only two starters missing are Alvaro Barrial and Yerson Mascara. And both of them saw significant minutes in this game. Yes. Yes. Important minutes as it turns out for, in Parial's case. Very much so. And I'm tempted to just spend the next hour talking about his goal. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, to your point, though, about MLS teams picking and choosing, I, MLS teams are not deep. That is the biggest knock against them, is that their starting 11 could probably match up very well with just about anything except for, you know, the 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 cream of the crop in club soccer. But, you know, starting 11 of your average MLS team would, would fare well against the starting 11 in Mexico, for example, or even in Argentina. Um, it's the depth where they get dinged. And so these clubs tend to prioritize one competition and one competition only when they are looking at that. Or you might sacrifice playoff seeding for, you know, in exchange for doing better in Champions League or the Open Cup. A perfect example of this is FCC's previous opponent to Pittsburgh, the Chicago Fire. The Chicago Fire rotated heavily against us because they wanted to save their A-team for the Open Cup. And I don't know if anybody else was paying attention to it that night, but Chicago lost like pretty badly to Houston with their A-team going for the Open Cup. And that's what makes this FCC team special, is that one, they're not going ahead and, and deprioritizing one competition. They're keeping both in their in their scope. And two, they are executing on both. Like, this is just... You do not see this. This is not normal MLS behavior. No. Especially not with like this level of fixture congestion, because this isn't just yeah. the Open Cup. It's they're getting games on Wednesdays because of the League's Cup schedule that where they have to yep. compress the schedule a little bit. They they're having their cake and eating it, too. Yeah. And that's just that's awesome. And I. It's special, but it also feels owed that they're cramming a lot of winning to make up for lost time, it feels like. And I'm very OK <laughs> with that. Yes, yes. <laughs> it it does feel like, especially if if you know Jeff, they sh- Jeff Birdie yeah. said, "Come back, we got more winning to do." He didn't say when, so apparently the it's- when is twenty twenty three. Come back in twenty twenty three. We're gonna do a shitload of winning in this year, specifically the first half of twenty twenty three. Rest of it may very well be absolutely average and that's fine the hot start we got to is more than enough to see us to the playoffs but yeah man this was this was a fun game um i wasn't even bothered by yeah. the fact that this game started out as a ref show like i it was <laughs> i want to talk about that because i'm i'm tweeting from the posts account like conspiracy theories that the the open cup account is essentially 
rooting for Pittsburgh because I guess they they pull for all the upsets. And meanwhile, I felt like we were just getting absolutely jobbed by the uh, by the referee. We come out of this game and Pittsburgh fans are telling us that the refs are protecting MLS players and teams and that that was an absolutely one sided affair. So how do you how do you square these two narratives? I think I square the two narratives by saying that the officiating just sucked. And that uh, if, the officiating, <laughs> if the officiating sucks, turns out it's going to suck a lot for everybody involved. <laughs> and the most aggrieved side is usually the one that loses. But yeah. I mean, well, you start this game and within 10 minutes, um, Wobodo has a yellow on his first foul of the game. And it yeah. wasn't exactly a brutal foul. It turned out that it knocked out the Dick Wad or whatever his name is for <laughs> yes. Dick Wah, sorry. Um, <laughs> it knocked him out of the game, but it was light contact. The guy was just made of balsa wood and broken glass because he'd been hurt for weeks and probably shouldn't have been playing. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a couple of strange yellows given right out of the shoot where all of a sudden Waboto's on a yellow, Ian Murphy's on a yellow, Dominic Baji's on a yellow. And then Lucho goes on a breakaway. Midway through this first half, yes. he's not 1v1 with the keeper. But as we know, and as Ugh. was pointed out in the Discord, yes. <laughs> Lucho already doesn't consider a defender as an impediment. <laughs> in his mind, that person is already going to get nutmegged. I don't even consider him being there. So it was a Lucho breakaway where yes. he yes. considered himself 1v1 with the keeper. But this dude comes out of you know the backfield and wraps up like Troy Palomalu and just takes him down, takes Lucho down to the ground with a full-on NFL tackle. Yes. Doesn't make any play for the ball, just wraps him up and brings him to the ground. Textbook form tackle, head up, wrap yep. up the ball carrier, Smart. get Smart. him to the ground, both knees down. And somehow they aren't showing red for that. Am I, am I mistaken that that should be a red card? Where it's one thing to have the professional foul, right, where you right. tug the jersey, but if you're bringing a person to the ground, wrapped up with your body weight, that's dangerous play, yeah. right? Yeah, and it was a borderline one-on-one. -on -one. Like, I can understand the argument that, like, maybe another defender was, was going to get back in time. But it was an absolute breakaway. And it wasn't even, like you said, a pretend attempt on the ball. I don't know the the letter of the law here in terms of this, but like intrinsically, it felt like red card behavior, right? Like you just don't cynical, want like that. utterly cynical and like dangerous and right. Just you bring a man to the ground like that. Any number of things can happen. You know Absolutely. how I know that because I've been watching the NFL my entire career. And when players get tackled in an NFL style, you yes. tend to find NFL's type injuries, torn ligaments. ACL tears, whatnot. Yep. It's a violent way to do something. It's a violent thing to do to another human being. Why NFL players don't have long careers? Why running backs don't have long careers? Because they're constantly being tackled like that. Yes. <laughs> and in soccer, they, you know, if you have a high slide tackle, that's that's seen as like the worst thing in the world. And yeah, you can break a guy's leg doing that. You can dislocate a guy's shoulder and separate his arm as well doing the tackle that we saw against Lucho. Like just because 
one of those injuries feels more soccer doesn't mean it's worse. Like you want <laughs> to be protecting against these types of injuries and that type of behavior. Like, like the card system exists to discourage behavior, right? You absolutely want to discourage the jumping on a man's back and dragging him to the ground. That's not even remotely a soccer play. And yeah, that, that should be a red card. So when you talk about officiating, Every other conversation about officiating in this game, and there's a lot of conversation about officiating going forward, starts from the premise in my mind that Pittsburgh should have been down a man after this play. So yeah. anything else you want to say about what happens, Pittsburgh, in my mind, was lucky to be playing 11 v. 11 during this game. And once yeah. that's the case, once you have successfully avoided the man disadvantage, I'm not here for any more of your refereeing complaints. Like you got, you got away with one FC Cincinnati gets away with a rather big one. We're square. As far as I'm concerned, shitty refs going to shitty ref at the very least. It was negative towards both teams in this game. Yes. I will say though, I will continue to beat this drum despite referee controversies or, or missed calls still better without VAR. The bad call happens. We move on. We don't we don't sit there and deliberate about it forever. We don't bring in 15 other people to get their eyes on it. We don't interrupt anything. Hey, was that offside? Nah, man, I didn't see it. All right, it stands. Hey, was that a foul? In the moment, I I felt like it was a cynical uh, challenge, but a professional one yellow card. All right, well, that sucks. We move on. It's, yeah. it's It makes because me miss it. <laughs> it's... But, you know, it was talked about it even though, and I know we're skipping ahead a little bit, is that even when you get to the next big thing that happens in this game, which is the Brandon Vasquez goal. Yeah. There still was everybody looking back at the official. And that, like, wait to celebrate. Because everyone's so conditioned now by VAR that we have to wait until we get the double confirmation. There can't just be unbridled joy at seeing the ball in the back of the net. (laughs) And when that... When that when the center official went over to talk to the the assistant oh, referee in this, that was awful. I was convinced we were going to get screwed on that. I in like the not, not yep. to the point where I thought we were going to lose the game. I remained supremely confident in the mission the entire time. But that goal. I thought we were going to get screwed there. No questions yep. asked. That was interesting. Like there is no VAR. Part of me felt like were they both forgetting and hoping that there was a VAR and then they they just kind of forgot where they were at that point. Um I'm legitimately no, con- I'm legitimately convinced they were waiting to like get the call from MLS as to what they're supposed to do. But this is the <laughs> Open Cup and like nobody has a cell phone at the US Soccer Federation. So they're standing around saying, "Yeah, usually MLS calls us to let us know who's supposed to win here. You got a call? No, no call. You? No call. No. <laughs> Shit, what do we do?" There was uh, give him the goal. <laughs> yeah, give, give it to him. Uh, I saw some people talking like, "Hey, they were they were touching an earpiece. Were they talking to somebody in the booth?" I'm 99 percent sure they talked to each other via those earpieces. So I think that's that's what was happening. But uh, the the fans were being so loud that they actually had to come over and talk in person. I did appreciate the ref drawing a line with the magic spray and telling all of the players they had to stay on that side of the line so he could talk <laughs> with his assistant. That was that was very good, you know, improv right there from the ref. All right. And if there yeah. was a conspiracy going on right there, mm. what's the conspiracy? Because I got in my mind what I think it is. I want to know what you think. So if the 
If if the conspiracy conspiring parties, Jesus, I can speak, uh, is U.S. soccer, they want a cup set. They want they want that cup set. If the conspiracy is MLS, they might also want the cup set to smooth out the path for Miami to the final. Ah, but, but here's here's the problem though, because if Pittsburgh wins this game. Yeah, the possibility exists, however remote, that Pittsburgh bids to host the next round. Uh, and if Pittsburgh bids to host the next round, the potential exists that they would have to send Messi up to <laughs> Pittsburgh to play on an artificial pitch in front of 5000 people. And that won't do. So you need to ensure that the only options available for Messi to play in is either a TQL stadium or at whatever the drivepink.com yeah backslash you know pardon my take <laughs> woke whatever um one of those two professional facilities yeah i i can see that i can see that because let's be real messi is never going to play a game in pittsburgh messi is not going to go to pittsburgh in the open cup he will not play on the high mark stadium turf it's not going to happen so <laughs> we need to do everything in our power to ensure that's not an option for messi yeah I, so i don't I, think it was u.s soccer pulling the strings I think MLS started pulling the strings secretly. It's like, no, not our guy. We're gonna need we're gonna need a, a nicer facility out <laughs> there as a potential host site. I can get behind that. Uh, Vasquez gets his goal. Yeah, back back on the goal sheet. He is this his last goal since the last Open Cup game? I guess it's been two Open Cup no, games. No, he had the he oh. had the PK. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, good. Happy birthday to Brandon. Um, I'm glad he scored. There was a moment earlier in this game where he absolutely had a bang on shot point blank at the keeper and scuffed Mm -hmm. it. And then what I consider to be even a little more unforgivable is that he started pouting immediately after he scuffed it. And if he'd have followed his own shot, there would have been absolutely an opportunity for a tap back because Pittsburgh's keeper was unable to hold on to the soccer ball all night. Yeah. Big time Kenneth Vermeer vibes going out there. Yes. So even though he if the goal of the PK was to pick up Brandon spirits, it didn't look like that was the case. He still looked like he was in his own head a little bit. But you know what? I appreciate that in that moment when uh, Baji makes whatever little touch he makes um, from the offside position. Or doesn't. Or doesn't. Let's, let's give our, our man the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Even if he didn't touch the ball, he's still offside. <laughs> um, you know, here's where I will give ultimate kudos to Brandon on this is number one, he scored. That's job yeah. number one of the striker. Good. Number two, it would have in that moment been real easy to look at the situation, assume the flag was going up. Yeah. And maybe not make your best touch. Yep. Or even and give up on the run. Yeah. Or give up on the run. And no, he played through, played through the whistle and was the beneficiary of maybe a blown call. And you know what? They all count. So there you go. Absolutely. Good on you, Brandon. A month from now, nobody will know looking at his overall goal tally that one of those probably shouldn't have counted that, that he, uh, <laughs> that, that he scored it. It, it, adds to his tally all the same so yeah good I hope on there's him. like one i hope there's one pittsburgh fan that's like super petty and keeps <laughs> pointing out that that goal shouldn't have counted actually you know it's only had 14 on the season or whatever it'll be right 
Um, I do want to say though that like he looks really not good. <laughs> I I don't want to be cruel. I can't do what he does. I feel silly doing that. But he looks. I'm looking at, at Dequa over there on Pittsburgh, and I'm thinking, could you use something like that? <laughs> it's funny too. Um, we were commenting. I was sitting next to Jonah at this game. Uh, thanks, Mike Watts, for the shout out, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Vasquez still does not look comfortable. And yeah. that's in a lot of different phases of his game. Obviously, the touches around the 18 still don't look comfortable. Mm-hmm. But also in like the midfield, when he plays in a little bit more of a plays back a little bit, looking to receive and move the offense through him, his touches are heavy. He's not doing a great job at feeling and selling the contact he's getting. So he's getting fewer fouls this year, it feels like, than he got last year. Whereas yes. last year, he was a master at drawing fouls in dangerous positions and setting up set pieces. This year, he's just not getting the whistle. And yeah. I think it's because he's, A, he's now was a golden boot candidate. So I think there's a lot of officials that are saying, you're better than this, get up. Right. right. But also, I just don't think he's timing his flops well to where it doesn't look yeah. natural when he's being fouled that like, oh, He's on the ground, but it doesn't look like that was a natural extension of what happened on the right. play. And so he's right. He's being punished for that. I don't know. I just I'm glad you pointed that out because I've noticed that, too. That like, yeah, he'll get like hit in the face or something, but he's taking like two, three seconds before he's grabbing his face or whatever. And it's like, ah, man, that's he's just telegraphing it. Yeah, he's pressing. And it's it's it, he, it's almost as if he's caught in his own head. Mm-hmm. Of should I fight through this or go down? I'm going to go down. And by the time you've had that thought of should I fight through this, it's already too late. The best players yeah. are instinctual of contact. I'm on the ground. And he and again, it, it just goes to this idea that I think he's probably overthinking about everything that's happening right now. Yeah. I'm sure he's acutely aware that he needs to perform. He's paid to perform. And he's probably hearing people like his agent, other people telling him, man, you know, there's teams that are interested. You just got to you got to put something out there and show them it wasn't a fluke or, yeah. you know, we had an offer, but they want to see you do it one more year before they put the big money offer in. And that yeah. I can't imagine what that kind of pressure does to a pro right. athlete. And all I can think is just. My hope is, is that at some point he just puts it behind him and starts to perform because yeah. he's got it in him. I think the talent is still there. And. I forget who it was last. Oh, it was Schwai last night when we were sitting next to each other. And he said, you think the possibility exists that Vasquez might suck? And it's <laughs> a tempting thing thought. to think about. It's yeah. the same. But by the same token, there are a lot of very professional people who are looking at Brandon Vasquez and have made the opposite conclusion. Yeah. If you have a fluke season, the flukiest of fluke seasons still doesn't get you called into the national team. There's a right. lot of guys that have played well and never gotten the national team call. You got a national team call. Twice. Yeah. Um, Dom Kinnear is vouched for him. Dom Kinnear is a a, a striker whisperer. Yes. If those, people like them are vouching for Vasquez, it makes me believe that everybody just needs to be calm with him. And I'm trying to remain yeah. calm with Brandon Vasquez. The the national team call up is a good point because the the closest thing I can compare it to is like in baseball when a batter 
maybe decides to change his his batting stance or his approach at the plate or, or he shifts his grip up higher on the bat or something. And it takes him a long time to essentially like relearn their mechanics because they were told, hey, if you choke up a little bit, you get, you get a little more velocity on it or something. And all of a sudden, they, they, their whole routine is thrown off. I don't wonder if U.S. soccer, you know, Anthony Hudson or Burhalter, whomever on the staff told him, hey, we're looking for this out of a striker. We 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 want our strikers to be able to drop back and connect these passes. And so in his head, he's trying to do these things that they've asked him to do. And it's it, it's just too much going on in his brain. He just can't play his his instinctual game there. And I think that's natural for a lot of young athletes, too, where it's yeah. like you look at it and it's, well, I have to take the next step in my game. And uh, yep. I love this. We're just going to keep making metaphors in relations to other sports. It's yes. almost like <laughs> people want Lamar Jackson to be a better passer. Right. Lamar Jackson's already a really good passer. If you don't think he's a good passer, read the numbers. Having said that, you can't make Lamar Jackson stand in the pocket and just throw. He's a runner. He's got to right. run. He's got to do what he's good at. And I don't wonder to a certain extent if kind of what you're saying is true, but it's also Brandon Vasquez thinking, I've got to add more to my game. Right, right. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just need to be the best version of Brandon Vasquez. And you will never be a great passer. You will never be a great facilitator in the midfield. Just focus on being the best goddamn goal scorer, the best fox in the box you possibly can have, and ride what you're hot with. And I, I don't know. You don't know what he's being told. You don't know how he's being coached. And for all we know, he's doing exactly what Pat Noonan wants him to do within this offense. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm not worried about him, but it was good to see him score nevertheless. Um, and that's the beauty of being a striker is that all of your other sins tend to get washed away <laughs> as long as the ball finds the back of the net. Yeah, it's sort of the opposite of the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper can have the perfect game and, and get burnt that one time, and all of a sudden they look very different than the uh, the very sloppy keeper who accidentally keeps a clean sheet. Yeah, Vasquez got the goal. Good striker on the night. That's yeah. all you need to know. Hell of a night. Hell of a shit. <laughs> Glad we uh, rested you in that league game. Absolutely. And then we get to what felt like immediately after the the goal. And I got to tell you, this goal has torn the post group chat apart. Oh, my this God. Is, this has been. Are we going to reveal this, that this is going on in our group chats? I think it would. <laughs> we have people in our own group chat trying to debunk this goal. <laughs> people we rely on for content and video and oh. a lot of the behind the scenes players on the post are. Oh. We have people convinced this was deflected. And trying yes. to take this away from Alvaro. Why would you do that? What kind of sick fuck does this? <laughs> so, so to set it up, if you're listening to this episode and haven't seen the goal, I don't know who you are. Um, that, that is an absurd thought. No, but... If you haven't seen this goal, this is the first you're hearing of Alvaro Barial's goal. I want you to send me a tweet that I yes. never saw this goal until you brought it up. I want to know more about you. I want to know what your background is, why you're listening to this podcast. Um it's fascinating. Right. It's an interesting idea because this goal is ended up number one on SportsCenter's top 10 that evening. It was all over soccer Twitter. I mean, I, random publications all over Europe were, were posting this. Men in blazers. Men Taylor in blazers. Twelman. 
yeah every sports was... channel around the world <laughs> it was so good lucho it, it, it's the and apparently they practice this this is like the the scrimmage the training routine of you kick a nice long corner kick to the guy at the top of the box who hits it one time on the volley into the back of the net it never happens until it happened <laughs> and yeah so the controversy in our group chat is did the ball deflect off of the Pittsburgh player who is ducking sort of out of the way of the shot at first glance, I did not notice it. I was convinced this was the greatest goal of all time. And then I thought I saw something. I was very sad that I noticed it. And all of a sudden, we've got people making charts. We're, we're getting frame-by-frame frame breakdowns of fan videos from the <laughs> Bailey and various broadcast angles. It's like the fucking Zapruder film in our group chat. It's like back <laughs> and to the left. The ball goes back and then to the left. It's I I think I I mean obviously I don't, I, I don't, I don't want care. it to be a deflection. I don't care. I, I don't, don't think care. it was a deflection. Having it, seen all the evidence, I don't care if it was a deflection or not. It was a great goal. It's the one of the best. It is not one of it's the best goal I have ever seen in person. Mm. The only one that even comes close to it, in terms of my personal viewing at games, is probably a Coley's scissor kick in yeah. the original FC in the first FC Cincinnati home game. It was yeah. an incredible goal. If it deflects off anyone, it literally glances off someone's jersey right. and ripples a jersey as it's going through. No, it's it's one of those those shots where as it's happening in real time, I'm thinking to myself, oh, why are they doing this? That never goes, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, I, I, yeah, and it, what's what's incredible about it too is there's there's so many ways that I can break this down. The first off being me being actively angry that they have subbed Barrial into this game and yeah. he's not taking the corner, like Lucho's walking over to take the corner, and I'm thinking to myself, you put Barrial into the game, he's way better than this. Get him over there. What the hell are you doing? Right. right. <laughs> I I had the exact same thought on a on. I want to say the previous corner, I uh, nudged my buddy to my left and I was like, watch Barial on this. And it didn't go near Barial. It's like, <laughs> oh, damn. All right. So I guess they're not doing something like that. And then, yeah, the next time he, he passes it right to him. Man, it was. It was so good. I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, on one end, I want to talk about it for an hour, but like other than to just sit there and go, damn, that was damn, a good that pass, was pretty, huh? That was pretty fucking cool, huh? <laughs> Did you see that? That was fucking cool. Um, I love the reactions afterwards. If you go yes. back and watch this, if you've seen it enough times, replay the, the highlight and focus on everything except what Barial is doing. Yes. Brandon Vasquez the is best. aghast <laughs> at what he has just seen which leads me to believe this and i want your take on this Ooh. this leads me to believe they don't make this very often in practice <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try it right yeah it's a good point if it, if they nail it all the time nobody's surprised Everybody is surprised. After Everybody this is goal. shocked. Like, <laughs> I think it was Tommy G that says he's seen them work on this hundreds of times in practice. He, what he didn't say is that he has never, he didn't say ever, I've seen them make it a hundred times in practice. <laughs> I've seen them work on it a hundred times in practice. And Vasquez's reaction to this shot leads me to conclude absolutely that he's never seen one of these go in before. <laughs> 
<laughs> I I love that idea that they they called their own number there. It worked, and I'm glad it worked because now, you know, when when other teams are scouting FCC, they have to be one aware that this play exists, and two, they got to know that Lucho will try an Olympico, and so both both things are on the table anytime Lucho's taking that corner. I mean, with the way Barial ha- has just a cannon, and now a yes. nose for goal from the outside, you got to oh. think someone's in his hip pocket on every one of these set plays, right? Like yeah. you can't, you can't leave him alone with any space. He's going to try it and you he makes it. <laughs> you can't leave him unmarked, which is one fewer body in the box for Mosquera, Miazga, Hagland, apparently Arias is an aerial threat. Um, this team, this team has a lot of weapons that aren't the striker position. Right. And that's amazing. No, it was it's a uh, it's a Judge Natal special. There's a lot of non-traditional weapons involved on this team. And um <laughs> what was also fun about this too is they sub Barry Allen to this game. And it's amazing how much better the team looks on offense and how much more fluid the team looks on offense the second Barry Allen checks yes. into this game. Um, yes. We were I don't know if anyone else was noticing this. Um where we were sitting was we were in the first financial club and we were closer to the south end of the stadium away from the bailey so it was a state area fc cincinnati was attacking in the first half mm. and we're right there and that's we're, we're sitting right in front of where ray gaddis is playing the entire yeah. first half yeah and i have now dubbed ray gaddis the baron of the back pass because i have <laughs> never seen a player less interested in going forward or advancing the ball forward than ray gaddis if i was hard on angulo about not wanting to push the ball forward in the last game Man, did Ray Gaddis have zero interest whatsoever <laughs> in joining the attack? I know he's fast. He's a not a slow player. He refused to even once try and take the larger Pittsburgh defender to the end line or to the touchline on the dribble. Didn't try to do that. Whenever the opportunity presented to pass the ball, it was always sideways or backwards. You get yeah. Barial out there, and immediately that changes. He has one speed and one direction. That's fast and towards the goal. And it was just so refreshing to watch as soon as he came in. <laughs> I mean, we we saw the the passing charts before the season of how the team played last year. And it was very obvious that a large amount of the offense went through Barriel. Nothing has changed this year. That this yeah. team is still still builds through Barial on the left there. And Arias was supposed to offer that on the right side as the counterbalance. Pal has offered it at times, although they don't seem too keen on keeping that piece of it up. And when he and when Barial's on this field, he offers another creative player for Lucho to play off of. He's somebody that has freedom to move forward and supplement the attack. And he just adds something new. His ability to get to the end line and cross it back into the box is so unbelievably dangerous. MLS teams are incredibly susceptible. Any team in the world is susceptible to it. But MLS teams, it feels like in particular struggle with that cutback pass. And man, it's... It's good so, to see him firing on all cylinders. So it's fun about Barial, and I, I know we could gush about the goal. I'm just going to gush about Barial here for Please. a second. You can watch him developing new techniques and new skills in real time, and that yep. has been a blast to watch. Like in this game, there were multiple times 
where he took guys on off the dribble into the box and showed off good, close control of the ball. And I get it's yeah. Pittsburgh. It's not an MLS team. These aren't MLS players he's going against. But that level of confidence and that ability for close control of the ball while dribbling, he didn't have that a year or two ago. Um, yeah. In this game, one of the first things he does after being subbed on is he advances the ball forward and then turns 90 degrees and fires a laser dime of a switch right across the field to Santiago yes. Arias, literally sideline to sideline to completely switch the point of attack and offer eight acres of space to Arias going forward. And that's something he didn't have as recently as the start of this year, yep. to have the confidence and the ability to do that. He is, you're watching him grow up in real time and you're watching him make the transition in real time from good MLS piece to player that is locked on for Europe in the next six to 12 months. And yeah. that's really, it's, it sucks we're not going to keep him, but it's really fun to watch. <laughs> he's he's going to get to the point where it's going to feel <laughs> like we're holding him back, that he he should be playing in, in Europe, playing in the Champions League, because you, you have to ask, what are you still doing here, buddy? I, uh, I had a, a job in college cleaning uh, hospital rooms. It was very glamorous work, as you might imagine. And I was in a similar spot. I was like, hey, man, like this is working for me. I got like a nice little apartment, nice little life or whatever. Got my college degree. And my manager's like, all right, I you're going to find a new job or I'm going to fire you in six months. Like you don't need to be here. Um, so that's how I feel about Barrio. It's like, all right, somebody's going to have to pick you up here soon because it's going to, it's going to start to feel greedy here after a little bit. <laughs> Do you and, think there's a chance that he moves to Europe before Vasquez does at this point? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if a team in Europe gets caught like real close to transfer deadline day. And they have to make a desperate bid for Barrial, and we get something absurd like twenty million dollars offered for him, and you kind of have to take that. Like I, well, I see 20, some. If they got twenty million offered for him, it would be a right, the, right. It would be the second biggest story in MLS this year. <laughs> like I, I could see somebody getting desperate and having to way overpay to pry. The second best, maybe first, the second best player off of the number one team in America. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't He's, think he, he leaves this year. But I to answer so your question, he'll beat Vasquez. Yes, he'll beat yeah. Vasquez. So his skill set seems perfect for Europe. It just yeah. seems like that is a skill set that travels and that will play at just about any competition level, as long as he keeps developing and refining his craft. And he's proving he can do it as a wingback, which is harder than being either a winger or a fullback. Like that is a hard, like thinking man's position that you need to balance those responsibilities. You need to be able to play off of all three phases of the game. You need to be able to work well with the strikers. You need to be able to communicate with your goalkeeper and your center backs, and you need to be working with the midfielders there. And not that any position is on an island, but you know, you've seen you know, the traditional winger, like a Ronaldo type winger who can just hang out up on the right side of the attacking line or whatever the case is, he's busting his ass getting forward and back. Like the fact that he's added that to his repertoire and is this good still going forward 
is a skill that a lot of teams are going to be in the market for. And yeah, like I said, it he's he's got to be the most in-demand player on our team right now. So yeah. yeah. The fierce urgency of now and winning now because <laughs> yes. there's a lot of players that are just where now yes. is the only time we're going to have them. Yes, and this season I think too and this game plan to go back to that point originally is a perfect example of you don't wait for a window. You don't want to lay the groundwork for a three, four-year runway of, oh, let's cash out now. Let's sell Vasquez, sell Barrial. Let's see if we couldn't sell Lucho. Get all this money, and we'll build out for the next couple of years. Absolutely not. We're winning now. This team is good now. Go for it now. Go until you can't go anymore. So is this a, is this a paradigm shift in MLS? And are we sort of benefiting right now from being one of the first teams that truly understands that as MLS gets better, it's not a destination league yet for players in their prime. Yeah. And again, spoiler alert for the rest of this episode. <laughs> but it's also not a league where talent doesn't want to come to. And so yeah. if you're getting good talent in MLS, you may only hold on to them for a year, year and a half, two years. And this idea of, oh, we're going to build a sustainable platform of talent. You might be able to build a base of good, right. keep the floor high players. But your time with great players that can go win you a title seems to be getting shorter and shorter in MLS as the quality of players at that top end increase but the perception of the league is sort of slower to change in that regard. It's, it's a, not a choice league for these players. So you're holding on to them shorter, but they're still better on the steps. Am I making sense on that at all? Yes. I, I think a good way to think about it is, and we do this all the time. I don't know if this is helpful to people, but it's the way I process things, is comparing it to other sports. Like a window for Major League Baseball might be like eight years from a team – in Major League Baseball, when I say we're going to win the World Series in eight years, this is our eight-year plan. We're going to spend four years gathering talent, and then we're going to spend the, the final three years executing on that talent. And the NFL, you might have a tighter window of around five years, six years, where you, you kind of have to suck until you get a generational talent at quarterback and, and luck into <laughs> a couple of other draft picks, maybe a hit on a free agent or two, and all of a sudden you can you can turn it around pretty quickly. The NBA is a much tighter window. It's a matter of gathering three superstars in, in the same spot for one year. But in Major League Soccer, with the parity is the thing, is you do have exactly that. You have upcoming talent that if they are as good as you want them to be, they won't stick around for very long. And you have, let's say, incoming talent on the back end of their career where they still got it, but they only have it for two years before father time starts catching up. So your window to win can suddenly arrive and may only exist for 24 months. Right. It's interesting. And like I said, we'll, talk about this in a second that this is a it's a changing face of the league and i don't know that any of us have a great handle on what the league is going to be in 12 months 24 months even further on down the road we had in the group chat there's a robust debate going on as to whether or not this league has a future <laughs> right. based on what's going on but in this moment right now 
it feels like FC Cincinnati has figured out that you have to, the moment doesn't, you don't choose the moment, the moment chooses you. And they're choosing the moment and they're taking the moment right now. And when you've got a guy like Alvaro Barrial that can be special or Lucho Acosta that is still, maybe he doesn't have a future in Europe at this point, but his time as that not good enough for Europe or not intending to go to Europe, but also a high level talent in MLS the window on that is closing as he gets older. Um, Brandon Vasquez being here still. It's just, it's fun to watch. Um, and it's neat. And I love the fact that they go to this game, they win this game, and they put it out of reach. If they don't sweat out a 1-0 win, these there aren't nervy moments at the end of this game. Barial puts in a banger. The game kind of becomes a laugher after that. And then Santiago Arias, who... I want to make sure we're, we're shouting him out yes. in this game yes. because for as much of a goat as he sort of was a couple of weeks ago, as he was getting back into the lineup, back into the routine and the questions we've had about his fitness and whether or not he's truly going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, he looks healthy now yeah. and his play is improving week to week to where you could get the idea that, okay, it had been a while since he was playing. It was going to take a while for him to get back to game speed, match speed. And yep. he played, I thought he played well in his previous outing. And he played yep. very well in this game. And again, against a USL team, always sure. got to be said, this is a man that had significant minutes in La Liga. He should be <laughs> playing better than this team. Yes. But skies over everyone, scores one of those aerial headers that you really only see in thrashings over in Europe. I'm like, Man City is playing someone where. Guy yeah. flying in, forehead <laughs> moving almost as fast as the ball. Um, it's a Zlatan esque header. Yes, yeah, is, is what it looked like. Yes. Violent aerial. <laughs> it was good. I th- that was a good moment. That was cool. I'm glad he got rewarded with a goal. I'm glad he saw that go in. I'm glad that like he got that moment of celebration. And I don't know. I hope that this is in te- this is infectious because his play has been really yeah. good. And I like to see players that play well get rewarded like that. Absolutely, and. His minutes have slowly been increasing over the last couple of matches. And yeah, I, Grayson's made this point multiple times. Like the goal with Arias is just that he is healthy and ready and able to contribute during the playoff push. I guess at this point, I'll throw in an open cup semifinal and hopefully final as well. Right. Um, but yeah, like he's, it's funny too, him and Mosquera have different points in their career, but it's a similar storyline coming into FC Cincinnati, which is they had all of the promise in the world, all of the talent in the world coming off of devastating injuries. Do they still have it? The most scary answer is absolutely yes. Also, he's young enough to that his his body has recovered much faster. Arius, it's taking a little bit longer. He is right. a little, little longer in the tooth, but... <laughs> He has, even compared to Mosquera, more history of demonstrated talent uh, at his given position, and it's exciting to see him him showing up like that. So what maybe looked like a miss on Albright's part uh, at, at a certain point halfway through this season is now... Now looking like okay, the the theory of of the uh, of the signing is is starting to bear out now. The theory of the signing is starting to bear out, and you're starting to see the plan come together. It's like okay, this was the goal right here. Yeah, Alvaro Barrial on one side, Santiago Arias on the other side. 
You've got youth on one side, veteran presence on the other side. And if that's the case, then all of a sudden, maybe it's not such a bad thing that you've got Ray Gaddis in there for extended minutes in like mop up duty or caddy duty for when Arias right. needs like a little bit of a break going forward. You can tolerate that if you're not asking him to be an every time starter. So, yeah, yeah, there's and- this is. Just good vibes all around from this 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 fucking game. Just. Every this team is so much fun to talk about because every time you identify a weakness, they have an answer for it. Like, oh, they're not getting a lot from the strikers. Well, that's fine. The midfield will pour on the goals. Or right. oh, well, the the center back play isn't great, but the defensive midfielders were able to step up in this one and shield. Um, you know, oh, Roma's distribution wasn't great. Well, that's fine because all of a sudden Lucha is tracking back and winning second balls uh off of off of those those missed 50-50 opportunities. Like this team just has an answer for every weakness. And MLS teams aren't supposed to be able to do that. That's not how they're supposed to be set up. You're supposed to have, uh, you know, whatever it is, the uh, the main the main exhaust port on the side that, that somebody can can hit. <laughs> that's, no, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's all X-Wings, no Death Stars right now. And I'm here for it. Feels good. Um are we going to consider this one wrapped? I will say at the time of recording, and we'll probably talk about this midway through the uh, the next one, uh, Inter-Miami is leading our dear friends Birmingham Legion one to nothing with 10 minutes left. Uh, it does appear we'll be facing Inter-Miami unless something dramatic happens here in the next round. Speaking of, yeah, shall let's- we? Let's let's move to part two. You know what we're going to talk about. Everybody's talking about it. How can we not talk about it? Let's uh, let's let's get on over there. All right, we're back. And I'm probably going to name the title of this episode messy and then whatever I was going to name the episode because I want to see how many clicks, how many downloads we can get just yeah. by throwing Messi's name in this. This 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 episode brought to you by SEO. <laughs> how we got to talk about it. Leo Messi, Lionel Messi signs in Major League Soccer, this is by all accounts a monumental day in MLS history, in American sports history, in the the sport of soccer globally. This is an interesting one. I I was texting my my father about this, who is a sort of a longer view of sports history and not necessarily a uh, a soccer guy, and his response was. Um, yeah, this is a big signing. It's right up there with Pele, Beckham, and Rooney. And I I was so tempted to just jump down his throat and say, no, 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 this one is so much bigger. But I guess we kind of have to see the evidence of that to start making that claim. But top line takeaway, Chief, Messi, on as of July 5th, will be an MLS player. Thoughts? <laughs> I have so many. Where do we want to start? All right, so we I don't to, know where we, to start. We have to frame this conversation a yeah. little bit. So where do we want to start this? Do we want to start this in just like a top line good idea, bad idea? But like it's so much more than that, too. Because I think, the deal itself yeah. that brings Messi here yeah. is virtually unprecedented. And we don't even know all the details of it right. yet. And I suspect Let's, 
let's before we get to the deal, because I do think that's a big piece of this. I do want to back up and say and, and start the conversation getting messy at this point in his career, at his age. Is this still a big deal? I was trying to think of like, what if at what point in Tom Brady's career would it have been astonishing that he signed with a Japanese American football team? Is it like when he went to Tampa Bay? Is that the timeline we're looking that's, at with Messi? But that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is yeah. that like I, I feel in this in this conversation, I do yeah. have a weird perspective on this just because yes. as a fan of a team that I have rooted for my entire life that added in the twilight of his career the greatest player in the history of that sport with tom brady <laughs> right and it was absurd the idea <laughs> i remember i remember the spot i was it was at the outset of the pandemic in 2020 i was yep. at my sister my sister's house with her husband in deer park they were having us over and i remember where i was sitting at their kitchen table when the news broke and i got the text message from a friend Oh my God, the Bucks just signed Tom Brady. And what that did was transformative of him going someplace where he hadn't been, but the circus followed him. The attention followed him. The winning followed him. And even that, that yeah. pales in comparison to what this is. Right. Because the NFL is a sport that is a uniquely, quintessentially American sport. There is no um comparison to this the only thing that would even be remotely comparable would be if lebron james right now right left the lakers and signed with a team in shanghai china right or signed with a team in australia or new zealand or something like that right where right. he is still capable of taking the lakers to the western conference finals yes but and still, any NBA team would take him right now. Right That's now. the thing that gets me is there isn't a team in Europe. I was thinking about this, maybe Real Madrid out of like some rivalry thing, but I honestly think they would do it as a troll. But like there isn't a team on planet Earth that wouldn't take Messi. PSG wanted him back desperately. Yeah. Barcelona was trying to get permission from the uh, from La Liga to break financial rules to bring him back. They're in a rough spot financially there, and they wanted to bring him back. I mean, if Manchester City had, had mounted a big enough offer, he was probably gone. He turned down almost a billion and a half dollars to go to Saudi Arabia. Like... It's this a huge is not deal. A man it's, in his forties. Yeah. So, like everything about this has to be viewed through that lens. He is a global icon, a superstar, the likes of which this world has never seen. And I mean that really sincerely because there has never been a time where the world has been more connected from an information standpoint. Yes. Where matches have been more viewable outside of whatever country they're being played in where video clips could be shared more easily of the amazing things that happened. So in this moment, when information is at the, high, the apex of what it has ever been in history, the most popular player in the most popular sport worldwide is coming to the United States of America. And so I feel like everything else about this conversation has to be approached from that standpoint. Yeah. And not only that, this is, this is bigger than, and I sent my dad the exact same question. I asked him, how does this messy stuff compare 
to when Pele came over to the NASL. Right, right. And his point was, there's no comparison. And the reason why is that, like, soccer was unknown. Pele was expected to bring soccer to the United States of America. Right, right. In America right now, it's here. Everyone knows who Messi is. Like, all yeah. the kids that follow sports, everyone casually knows who Messi is. Yeah. Everyone. Anyone who's a sports fan has heard of Lionel Messi. You might not watch a minute of soccer. Most people will at least say, I have heard of, of Leo Messi. It's, it's just yes. massive. It's unfathomably massive. The Pele comparison is a good one because what is lost on the American audience then is Pele was so far beyond his prime when he came here that like American audiences didn't really know that. Messi is six months removed from winning a World Cup, what felt like single-handedly. I understand he had a very talented team. Um, and he is a couple of months away from probably winning another Ballon d'Or, which is incredible because he'll be an MLS player when he accepts that <laughs> award. So think about that one. Um, and he is he's very much in his prime now. I don't want to say in his prime. He's on the last few months, I guess, of what we can call his prime. Um, he is he is a, a transformative talent in addition to being this global celebrity that, yeah, he's his celebrity is in an echelon of, you know, Muhammad Ali and Pele and. I think I'm out of comparisons. Like there aren't very many. Like I guess Tom Brady is there, but that feels recent. Tiger yeah, Woods. Man, Tiger Woods is probably the other one. Maybe a Federer like or something Venus, like that. Venus and Serena Williams, Roger Federer, you know, people yeah. like that. That's where Novak Djokovic, that's where that's the air Messi is in. Michael Jordan, yeah. LeBron yeah. James. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we it's good we started out with this because yeah. that has to be the lens that you view what is happening through. Because if you don't view it through that lens as MLS fans and FC Cincinnati fans, it gets real easy to look at this deal and be really, yeah. really mad at the league and what they did to bring him over here. Yeah. And that's where we should go next is we've identified this talent. Everybody, I think everybody can agree. It is. <laughs> well, I say that we'll, we'll probably get to that. It's a good thing for the, for major league soccer to have pursued this. This is a good messy as an asset. So just I'll separate his humanity from him for a moment, his celebrity, his following, his fandom, his talent, his, all of that is a good ad or you can at least understand why MLS would want to add that to their product, that that is a good match for them. And so now, what does it take to get there? And again, the offer on the table from the Saudi-backed club was $600 million uh, for over the course uh, or per season for two years. So you're looking at $1.2 billion. I don't know how strong your moral compass is, but... A billion dollars. I start making a lot of compromises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a I billion dollars. I certainly stopped asking where the money came from, I think, at that point. <laughs> and he turns it down. Uh, I don't think, I mean, sure, you you can you can have your, your moral qualms with it. But 
I think people in terms of like, oh, he's taking his retirement would absolutely see that and understand what was happening. He turns it down and he takes the deal to Major League Soccer, which at this point is still a little murky, but I think we have some of the contours of the deal. Chief, I don't know if you want to dive into this piece of it. Yeah, the contours of the deal is he's going to be paid what hasn't been announced in an undisclosed sum in cash. And I, I think that number has been hovering somewhere around like 65 to $75 million is what I've yeah. seen. I don't know if you've seen anything different than that. It looks like that'll be his stated salary. So Salaries, when the MLSPA like- comes out, which, by the way, not every DP joins the MLSPA because reasons i don't know um grayson would probably know right so there's a chance his salary is not included i don't think zlatan's salary was ever included in those salary dumps but if it were it'd be in the neighborhood of 65 million dollars 65 million dollars he will receive by all accounts some revenue sharing component with apple and it is very clear that apple was a major driving force in getting Lionel messi to mls um, and that Apple will be putting a significant portion of the money required to get him into his pocket. Yes. There is also allegedly a deal in place to uh, give him a direct cut of merchandising from yes. the league, whether that's just what he sells or for the entire league. Yeah. Don't know. There is also unsubstantiated rumors that's been pushed back on a little bit that he's also going to end up with a piece of inner Miami at the end of this. I don't know if that's been confirmed officially, but everyone is strongly speculating. What is known is that he's yeah. not getting the expansion franchise deal like David Beckham got. That's been flat out denied, I think, by Don Garber at this point. But yeah, yeah. Just because they didn't give it to him now doesn't mean that when the bidding comes up in five to ten years that his group, whatever group he puts together, won't get preferential treatment for that bid. There's a handshake deal somewhere. We don't know that. Right. And we've seen this with, again, Zlatan, who is probably the most recent comparable player other than Beckham to this, which is Zlatan signed with LA Galaxy. After he left LA Galaxy, he also got a portion of a team that uh, Phil and Schultz also owned in Zlatan's home country of Sweden. His so ri- he, the rival team of his, yes. <laughs> his youth team, I think, right? Exactly. Uh, the, the, yeah, if, if he were, if he were from Cincinnati, he would have gotten a, a 20% stake of Columbus crew there <laughs> in Sweden for him. Um, yeah, so while that wasn't explicitly stated going in to the uh, the LA Galaxy deal, it's certainly a sweet little thing he got coming out. Maybe, and I don't think it's Jorge Mas or David Beckham offering him a, a portion of uh, a deal or a portion of a team that they own elsewhere. But keep an eye out on some of these other MLS teams that have owners with teams in other parts of the world if – and Schultz doesn't buy Messi an Argentinian club to, right. to be the president of later or, or something. So, so I think the important thing to note is that we know what the Saudi deal was on the table, $1.2 yeah. It would shock me to my core if the total compensation package that Messi took to come to MLS is less than half that. Right. So I, I have a hard time believing he turned down $1.2 million to make 200 million in America. Right, so whatever right. he's getting from Apple and the Adidas deal and whatever he's been promised in ownership shares, 
is probably going to push this package somewhere close to $600 million, $700 million. I'm guessing. I just don't, I don't see him turning that level of money down unless there's at least something coming back from MLS. And if you know his salary on the books is only going to be about $65 million a year, that leaves about $500, $400, 500000000 dollars probably unaccounted for that will have to be made up with the rest of this stuff. And yeah. this is where I start to tap out a little bit on this deal. Yeah. Because. So yeah, let's get into this. This is, you, this is where we get icky. <laughs> what you have here is you have a sports league that has bent over backwards to get this generational star into the league that as a, as like you said earlier, as a marketing property, the entity of Lionel Messi is exponentially more valuable to MLS than whatever Messi is going to do on right. the field. He right. will do great things on the field. Sure. But what they are buying is they're buying 2 million Instagram followers for Inter Miami within hours of this deal being announced. Which they are buying, which, which <laughs> yes. has happened. They are buying worldwide subscription numbers to Apple TV from messy fans wanting to check out games. It would yeah. not shock me if tomorrow or later on this week, Apple TV magically announces a package where that you can buy that only has inner Miami games and it's only available overseas so that for the low, low price of $30, right. anyone in the world can watch all of Messi's games. I'm sure that'll be happening. I would bet my every dollar in my wallet they're working on that right now. They, so I, they've it, said they were working on a single team uh, subscription package. Why not trial it with Miami for the rest right. of the year? <laughs> so they've done all this because he is he, the the you, the gravity bends around him when he goes places, and it's to MLS's benefit to have that. But the cost of that is that MLS, Apple, and Adidas all work together to make a player signing happen for one team that is still part of the competition. This isn't the Harlem Globetrotters here. Right. This isn't the and one mixtape tour. There are other teams competing for trophies, players, titles that now had to have to deal with a Miami squad that had the full weight of the American sports media and the, the full weight of the world that MLS can bring to bear to get a generational player for them. And I think Mamey asked it online, well, I can't wait till Adidas, MLS, and Apple help FCC sign their next YDP to replace Brenner. Right. That's going to happen, right? Right. Like, how, they how, else, for us? Yep. how else should I view this as an FC Cincinnati fan other than, well, how are we ever supposed to compete with that? How right. is FCC ever supposed to compete with a league that now has twice in its history bent over backwards to accommodate a star player's desire to go to a desirable major market like Miami or LA. No yeah. one's ever going to show up and say, the only place I'm playing is Cincinnati, Ohio. That's not right. going to happen for us. So how are we ever supposed to compete with that in this league? And it would be one thing if those markets were able to just flex the whatever inherent competitive edge that they have 
so be it, right? If right. if uh, if a player wants to come here and they prefer Miami to Cincinnati, so be it. It's another thing when the media broadcast partner and your sponsors and the league and the other owners are tipping the scale for in addition to the the glamorous media market or whatever. That's when it starts to feel really gross. I will say the one potential nice thing here is that maybe potentially if this were to follow the same sort of path that the Beckham rule did, which is what the designated player rule was called before they formalized it and turned it into a rule. It was the the Beckham rule um, is that this does become a tool in every team's pocket that they can, they can offer as a, as a way to, to bring in a big name player that sure Neymar may want to go to Miami or New York or Los Angeles, but Cincinnati does have the ability to say, Hey, Neymar, if you do want to come to Cincinnati, we too can offer you a cut of all of the subscriptions and all of the Jersey sales of any of the stadium that you're playing in, et cetera, et, et cetera. I would also wouldn't be surprised if and but they can't and offer that is, deal. They can't offer that deal to everyone. There's only so much. Pie, there's only they so can't. much of the pie right. to go around. And if they're offering Messi this cut, they aren't going right. to offer another cut to any. There's only one right. Messi. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess the, the thought here is that we just weather this storm and that we all this is the downside of single entity entity, which is all right. They get. They get a really good a good player for whatever the next four years. We all have to take it. And hopefully the tide that rises our boat sticks around for the next 20 years because we're we're gonna take it on the chin. I don't know what else there is to say there. I mean the the part of me, like I understand putting the the finger on the scale to get Messi to the league. That part of it makes sense. The piece that I am keeping an eye out on, the uh, the stay woke to, is anything else the league does that does really truly start to mess with the competitive balance. You're gonna see a bunch of, and we've already seen lots of stories of all of Messi's friends that want to come play in Miami. If Miami suddenly gets eight DP spots and nobody else does because they got to placate Messi, uh-uh. No, that's that's not good for the league. That's not good for anybody. Miami can't make the playoffs. They are not eligible for trophies. They can be the the Harlem Globetrotters of the league, but they're playing a different game and they don't they don't get to they don't get to to rack up any any real wins that matter. So can I? Yeah. An uncomfortable, I don't know. Th- an uncomfortable thought that I've had. Please. All right. So I got blocked by World Soccer Talk today. <laughs> Which, well done. It like, was a well earned block. It was good. Um, <laughs> the bit is hilarious. <laughs> but part of what got me blocked from them, other than the fact that they're just the softest fucking people on the planet. Absolutely. But um, for having been in soccer culture and soccer Twitter for as long as they have. To be triggered by a, blo- a bit, two-bit podcaster with 50 <laughs> listeners from Cincinnati is just sad. But part of their shtick and a lot of people's shtick is that MLS needs to become more like the rest of the world. Right, sure. Isn't this sort of the way the rest of the world works? 
Absolutely. Where, where all of Messi's friends want to come play for him. Okay, you know what we're building? We're building a super team. And that's how you're all these these hardos that wank themselves off over the Bundesliga. That's Bayern. Mm-hmm. That's Bayern Munich. Like they're trying to build Bayern Munich down in Miami. If that's Who just truly signed, what, just signed one of Dortmund's central defend right. uh, central defenders today. That's <laughs> PSG in Ligue 1. That's Manchester yeah. City in the Premier League. Like if you look around the sports world, what's truly makes MLS unique among the top leagues in the world is we don't have these super teams that dominate the league. We were just talking previously about how small the window is to compete. You don't have generational teams at the top just dominating year after year after year because right. they buy more players and they're more attractive for other places to go to. So is this what the league wants? Does the league, do you think the league secretly or even not so secretly at this point would want Miami to become a super team where, yeah, we're yeah. going to throw the guardrails off. We're going to let Messi sign here. We're going to let his boys sign here. We're going to let them dominate the league. Isn't that what they want when they sell these Apple TV subscription packages overseas? Do you think people want to pay to watch Messi lose? No, they want to pay to watch Messi win. They want to pay to watch him win trophies. You know what they want to pay to watch? They want to pay to watch Messi win the CONCACAF Gold Cup or whatever the fuck they're rebranding it. And then they want to pay to watch Messi go to the Club World Cup and win the Club World Cup. If you're MLS, isn't it absolutely in your interest to rig this so Miami becomes this dominant force of a team and becomes the first true super team of MLS. Oof. I mean, I would love to come up with the answer for no, and I think I could mount something of a defense, but the answer is yes. They want that. They that's what drives like we've we've talked about this in the past is like dynasties drive engagement and interest. And like when the Patriots are dominating or were dominating the NFL, that was interesting. And that was like the North Star of the narrative, which is who can knock them off. Oh, my gosh. They're this unstoppable machine. It's the same thing when LeBron is in Miami and the Yankees are good. And all of this stuff is like they're building this monster machine. Can anybody else beat them? And hey, when they're in your town, make sure you get your tickets that are three times more expensive than they were the week before. Yes. Um, I do think that is it. I think the hope as an MLS fan and that MLS fans should have is that MLS should be able to pitch to its owners that they can do this too. So let's say you let every team have six DPs. On paper, a six DP Miami squad is that super team. But everybody in this league, all these owners have the financial wherewithal to do that with their team too. And that's sort of the hope of the next step of Major League Soccer is like MLS is able to attract Messi, yes, with lots of money, but like he wants to play in the U.S. When do you take the guardrails off of FC Cincinnati and Philadelphia Union and Chicago Fire and they start mining the Premier League for talent? They start mining Italy for talent. They don't need every player. They just need the six best ones per team. All of a sudden, every team in Major League Soccer is a super team with a superstar and all their best friends playing. I think that's the hope 
that this next step of Major League Soccer looks God. like. Do you do you have any faith whatsoever, though, that these MLS owners are going to go for 60p spots? Because you know who doesn't want that? And I hate to say it. Carl Linder doesn't want that. Right. Because three DP spots, he can look and he can say with a straight face to the fan base, hey, we brought in Lucho. We brought in Wobodo. We're going to bring in another YDP here. We're maxed out. There's no more money to spend. You open up three more DP spots. He's in the unenviable position of either needing to open the wallet and show the fans his commitment to winning or open himself up to the accusations that he could be spending more and he's not. Then all of a sudden, he's just the fruit salesman that owns the Reds, trying to sell people on a narrative that building for a future that never comes. Having said that, Ellie De La Cruz, holy mother of fucking God. <laughs> we got to talk about that at some point. Yes. Um, but I don't think that that's a sentiment that's, that's, that's uncommon in MLS. They don't yeah. want those extra DP spots because that's more money they have to spend. I think they would legitimately, there would be people that would vote to just get thumped by Miami for a few years, sell a shitload of subscriptions, make a lot of their money back, on this, back. on this Apple deal and then come back. Yeah, I I think I I mean I Enter Miami is the trial balloon. If they can prove, and obviously Messi is a a special use case here, but if they can prove that by spending all this money they make even more money, that's that's the proof in the pudding. Carl, yes, you're gonna have to open up the checkbook, but here are the metrics. The last time we did this in Miami, subscriptions in the home countries went up 80%. We were able to do so much more this way. And we saw, you know, X number of jersey sales coming back in. And this time around, we're not letting these players get a cut of that. That all stays with you. Go buy Kareem Benzema and Neymar and you're going to be making, you know, 200% profits by the end of your five-year window with these guys or whatever the case is. We kind of have to hope this works so that MLS wants to roll it out to more teams and more markets, right? right? I think that the, <laughs> the best hope for this being a change moment as opposed to a profiteering motive, moment for MLS yeah. is tell me where you land on this. So... There's been a lot of hand-wringing about this Apple TV deal. Right. Even me. I was at a bar last weekend, uh, O'Brien's, up in O'Brienville, keeping it local. Uh, There was a guy there that wanted to watch the Reds that night. Mm -hmm. And the bartender told him, oh, we don't get Apple TV. I've yet to be to a bar that shows FC Cincinnati games because they're out of sight, out of mind, behind a paywall, and nobody wants to learn how to use it and put the games on. Right. Having said that, I don't think this deal happens without Apple TV. I don't yeah. think ESPN agrees to give a cut of ESPN Plus subscriptions mm. to bring Messi over here. This is the type of deal that really needed a TV partner that isn't a TV legacy provider. That some yeah. a company that is used to thinking outside of the box that is open to new ideas, that isn't married to the old way of doing television business. And without Apple being in this moment at this time, I don't think they make the messy deal happen. So my hope in terms of this being a, a moment of change is that if this works, Apple being the driving force saying, oh, this was great. You want 
the uh, the TV rights to go up a little bit in the middle of this deal, uh, y'all need to add a fourth DP spot, and we need that. We need a hundred percent participation from all clubs in adding that fourth DP spot or that fifth DP spot. That's yeah. my hope because it does feel like this is an overlooked aspect of this is what a sea change this is for a net a provider like Apple to get in the direct business of buying better players so that the content it is providing and it's paid for gets better. Um, that's always sort of been the, 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 the promise of TV deals is, oh, if the CBS deal with the NFL goes up, there'll be more money for players, more money for right. training, more money for, you know, whatever it is. But this is the first time we've ever actually seen a network get really involved in other than ESPN with conference realignment and college sports. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, to, I think that's a fascinating aspect of this that just isn't being discussed enough. And it is the to the benefit of MLS to of being the first mover here, which is if they had done this move and Apple had already signed up the Big Ten network and had got the NFL Sunday ticket. I don't think Apple tries hard or as hard to make MLS a success. But as of right now. MLS is all Apple has, uh, in addition to what sounds like random bits of Major League Baseball that keep falling into their lap. But they have a a well and true interest, a financial interest in making sure Major League Soccer is a success. And there is a reason why Apple specifically wanted the global streaming rights. In years past, ESPN and Fox and whatever else, they didn't give a shit about the international stuff. MLS was giving it away for free in most of the rest of the world. It was being sold for, for next to nothing just so MLS could say, oh, we're in 80 countries. How cool is that? Apple wanted global rights for exactly this reason. So now... All of the messy superfans in India, all of the messy superfans in Nigeria, all of the messy superfans in Argentina, China, they can pay their subscription fees to get this. And now, exactly to your point, Apple has shown a willingness to play ball with the league, wants this to be a success, and they aren't playing by these same rules. We talked about this before, too, about the success of the Apple deal is not going to be measured in the traditional cable metrics of, oh, you were able to get 300,000 viewers for a weekday uh, you know, game. That's pretty good. You can sell these ads. That's not what Apple's looking for. Apple wants to sell you their brand identity. They want to get you into the ecosystem. They want you using their phones, their headphones, their computers. And if putting the their target- Their $3,500 VR glasses. Which might have actually just gotten it over the line with Messi. They just promised him a couple of those. And that that actually matched the, uh, the Sony. Bid right there. It turns out Messi is never <laughs> coming to Miami. He's just putting the headset on and playing remotely. He thinks he's there. Everybody else will think he's there. A hologram of Messi will be running around. Oh, you're, t- you're telling me that one of the first things they won't have for this fucking overpriced oh. gizmo is a a direct feed from Pitchview at oh. Inner Miami games so that you can sit and have front row seats to watch uh, Lionel Messi play in 3D right in your apartment. Uh, Apple bought a company that did 
and does did, I guess, exactly that. VR experiences at live sporting events. That is 100% on their radar. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They should do that. They'll put the VR thing in the Bailey and you can be shouted at for not singing on your couch loud enough by a virtual capo. <laughs> in uh, Austin, they'll throw cups of water at you. It'll be fun. <laughs> fight and win. <laughs> <laughs> the fight and win experience. That's that's what that feature has to be called. And if you won't pay $3,500 for that, my friend, you are not a good fan. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, as, as I, I believe we're, we're going to wrap this up. Overall, Thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you feel good? Do you feel bad? Are you happy this happened? Are we are we disappointed this happened? Thumb in the middle. Because okay. like, here's the problem is that you can't flash forward five years and find out how right. this all turns out. Whether this was because this is a this is potentially a sea change moment for soccer in the United States. It really yeah. is. It's it's yeah. it's very hard to overstate that there I'm at a loss for words. I'm trying to like put this into, I've been thinking about what I wanted to say about this all day since the news broke. Yeah. Um, But this idea that there are very few moments in sport or even in MLS where you get a chance to completely redefine what it is you're doing. MLS has been kind of searching for that for the better part of 20 years. And this is a moment in time right here where it is going to be in the eyes in front of mind for millions and millions of new people who have never once considered watching MLS games on a regular basis. You can see what the ticket prices are doing right now for matches that Messi won't even be here for. (laughs) Which, God bless you if you're buying tickets for the Miami June matches. He legally cannot play for them until July 5th. No, that's great. That's great. Because the most important thing that you should be able to say is that I was going to enter Miami games before Messi got here. And you have a very limited window to go to your first inner Miami or your first MLS game before Messi gets here. So (laughs) buy tickets, get out to a game so that you cannot be accused of being one of those assholes that only showed up (laughs) because Messi showed up in the league. Um, but yeah, it's it's almost like I was joking today that we need to make a shirt called the Messi effect, like with like the Mass Effect logo on it, just real like low, low quality. But the effect could be tremendously positive and game changing for the league if all of a sudden the floodgates open and the interest around the world makes it so that young players want to go to MLS because that's where Messi's playing. Um, and this is what makes it acceptable for that higher echelon of superstar, not the washed, super aging superstar, but the true superstar to come over here and play out you know, their career. If that's what happens, then this is a this is a transformative moment, kind of like the way Beckham was in his own way when he came over. Um, yeah. But if this is just they're trying to build the Harlem Globetrotters in Miami so that they can sell Apple TV subscriptions to people who just want to watch Messi do cool things and win, then this could be one of the biggest negatives that the league has, biggest missteps the league has ever made. Yeah. I think, I think I'm much more of the first... The first part of that, I think this is a good thing. I think the potential benefits outweigh the potential drawbacks. And 
MLS is like a league of moments, like a league of events where there have been sort of the the starting off of the World Cup in 1994, and then you had the collapse in the early 2000s, and then the emergence of David Beckham, and then the full rebrand in 2015 to where we are today, which is the combination of getting on to Apple TV and signing Messi could spark the next, you know, future of Major League Soccer. And if this goes according to plan, if the pocketbooks are opened up, if Apple is well and truly playing ball to make this the best product possible, looking at a 10-year runway and the 2026 World Cup coming up, about to say there's that. this is the moment for MLS to take a jump and try to, you know, plant itself as a top five league. And they can use this moment as that launching point. Or like you said, they build a, a Harlem Globetrotter team for a couple of years, try to make as much money as possible, and everybody cashes out afterwards. Did, did I, Miami, I think did, it's worth the shot. Did Miami beat Birmingham? They held on one to nothing. They went late into extra time, but they held on one to nothing. Okay. Which so, means... So I want you to think about this. Yes. It's sort of like the wrap on all this. Please. Imagine yourself back in 2015 mm -hmm. right as um jake edwards carl linder and jeff birding are about to take the podium in the announcement for fc cincinnati yes they've already done the cringy seven nation <laughs> army chant with the paid um astroturfers in the background imagine telling yourself that in seven years time or eight years time you will have an MLS team in Cincinnati with a brand new stadium in Cincinnati. The United States will have the World Cup. The next World Cup will be coming to the United States. And you will potentially be flying down to Miami or buying a ticket to a game in Miami where Leo Messi will be playing against a Cincinnati team. Wow. Because wow. I think we're, we could, we, Grace and I, the three of us were texting about this. We're yeah. going to go to that game in Miami if it's a draw down there. I think we've all agreed to that, right? I mean, unless it's like a $1,000 ticket to get into the game. No, we'll, get, we'll, that... we'll, 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 we'll finagle some supporters tickets from the yeah. club. We'll figure yeah, yeah. that out. We'll figure that part out. We'll, but, we'll try to get but, credentials. Yeah. 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 We, <laughs> look us up. We were at the soccer tournament. But now think about that. That the next Open Cup yeah. game you go to watch will be for an MLS team with Cincinnati playing Leo Messi. Wow. For a shot at the Open Cup final at that, like, hardware on the line. Wow. This is a cool moment. This is, like, yeah. a really cool moment. I hope it I goes hope... the right way. Because exactly. This, is, this, this has the potential to be really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, Jason had this point on, on Twitter from Cincy Soccer Talk. Uh, how, how annoyed are you if you're Fox or ESPN? <laughs> you <laughs> could have had. <laughs> no, but see, that's, that's, the, I thought, that's what made me think about this is that, yeah. are they annoyed? They, they should be, but also they would never, they're two no. risk averse entities. Right. ESPN is hemorrhaging cash for the mouse empire. That's true. Like they would never have swung all in on a deal like this. Like they're probably kicking themselves that they probably, they're probably kicking themselves that they work for corporate overlords that don't have this kind of vision that Apple does of, you know what? There's only one Leo Messi in the world, and the only place to see him now is Apple TV and MLS. Yeah. 
They have the the exclusive global rights there. Pretty clever. Well, there we go. That's that's the messy talk. Let's let's get out of here with a uh, a quick preview and prediction for the Vancouver Whitecaps and uh, call it a postcast. Hey folks, it's Grayson here. Um, <clears throat> so there was a suggestion posed to me that maybe the referee was so bad in the first half last night because I have been you know, revealing the ref secrets in print. Maybe that's the case, but we at the Post have too much integrity to let that affect our reporting. Uh, journalism, if I may use the term, is inevitable, just as the FC is inevitable. Uh, as for the game, uh, Brandon was onside. Uh, the first half was tough, even beyond the ref, because the FC had trouble moving the ball through the middle of the field. Watching it, I felt bad, I think, for Chief, who will have to bring the same venom for Moreno that he brought for Angulo over the weekend. Um, but I feel sorry mainly for Chief's microphone. Barrial had maybe goal of the season, and he's firmly in enjoy him while he's here territory. Um, my list of the you don't see this in USL guys this week is Lucho, Barrial, Yerson, Obi, Miazga, and Kubo. I'm excited for the semifinal in August. I'm a little less excited if, it, if it's against Miami and Messi's playing, as I assume beyond making him a partner in Robert Kraft's Florida massage parlor business or whatever they're doing, every ref in the country is going to be instructed to whistle a foul if anyone gets within a foot of the little guy. So, um, you know, beyond being the best player on the field, um, he's going to be played, you know, wrapped in, wrapped in bubble tape. Um, otherwise, I do like our chances at the cup. Um, if, you know, we don't face Messi. Uh, I also saw the rumor that Busquets is going to come to Miami as a TAM player. And if that's true, my only question is, what happened to Miami's GAM sanctions? It doesn't feel like... Like, I... I not looking at their at their salary right now, but um, it doesn't feel like they've had their spending curtailed. I suppose a conspiracy theory here could be that the Kamal Miller trade was so lopsided because the league made Montreal ship $1.3 million of GAM to Miami to make the rosters fit, and then they'll, you know, make Montreal whole at some point in time later. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I, I was feeling so confident and uh, so good after the after the win last night that I decided to stay up a little late and I revisited the show Girls. Uh, I gotta say, the pilot of that, pilot of that show is good as hell. Um, I think it's not always remembered the way it should be because Lena Dunham is just so annoying that sometimes it overshadows that she's actually like very talented and good. Uh, she's kind of like Yerson Mosquera that way. Uh, anyway, I think we're due for a rest this weekend, so I'm going to say a 2-1 loss in Vancouver, but I won't be mad if I'm wrong. Anyway, love you. Bye. We're back, and we're looking at Vancouver. It's a real 
It's a real change from what we were talking about before, which is glamorous Miami South Beach teams. <laughs> and um, now Pacific we're going to go Northwest play on turf. <laughs> yeah, on turf in a uh, in a Canadian football uh, arena. Um, All right, so I'm going to ask this to you. I'll, I'll, I'll start. I'll frame the, the, this conversation like this. I get a feeling where you're going to go, but please you, ask it. You have two options on this, and you tell me what's better. Mm-hmm. Option A is you send the A team out and you attempt to finish this run strong. That right. you win this game and you get to go back and you get to look everyone in the eye and say, we played, what was it, 10 games in 35 days or some ridiculous shit like that. Yeah. And we won every single one of them. We are inevitable. We are the Iron Men. Um, nothing can stop us. Or... Do you tell everyone that won that game against Pittsburgh last night, hell of a shift. This is unbelievable what you've done. We've got two full weeks off. Y'all go out there, go start your break early, and then send FCC2 out there, and whatever happens, happens. I mean, I am – let me, let me quick, quickly glance at the fixtures. We have 11 days off between – that Saturday, June 10th to Wednesday, June 21st. It is a home game against Toronto. I think you got to give it one more go. One I more think go. you just got to, you got to win this one. This one will suck. You will be tired. You, you may try to win this one and lose this one. And if you do, so be it. You've, there is a point, as we discussed on the last podcast, you will run out of talent. You will you will <laughs> run out of 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 you know that special Mike's Mike's secret stuff. Uh it uh it can't it probably can't last forever. Um, but you gotta give it a shot. It's late, but if you do win this or even just take a draw, right? Take take the points on the road, you avoid defeat. You get eleven days off. You yeah. give them give them seven days off in a row before you start anything back up. You have a kind of shitty Toronto team coming to home. It's a nice little bounce back game. Can't even call it a bounce back game. You will have been off for so long that it's barely right. even like attributable as a bounce back. Right, right. <sighs> Vancouver is an average team, so it's not like they're a doormat where you you might expect to win with a heavily rotated squad. You probably will have to try a little bit here. Um, but I, I think you got to go for it. Yeah. I'm kind what of say like, you, I, I was leaning towards the send FCC too. nobody cares. But then I also thought to myself, man, it would, if I were a player, I'd be so annoyed to have thought about this grueling stretch of games and to get all the way through it and not be given a chance to finish it off to finish right. this part of the schedule off. Um, and yeah, go the, for it. Go. I've, I've switched my, I was thinking of this last night that after they won this game, it's all gravy. Send, right. you know, Who send cares? Steven Jimenez and Archimedes yep. Ordonez and yep. all the, I'll send the kids out there, <laughs> you know, give our boy Evan a chance to start and goal. Like, yeah. yeah. But like, the, if you're winning, rule number one is keep winning. Right. I, I'm I'm leaning that way for sure. I do think, yeah. I wouldn't hate if they sent the two team out. I would not right. fault them in the that's, slightest if they said, you know what, that's a long-ass flight. It's all the way out on the West Coast and a long-ass flight back, and we could give everybody a chance to relax, yeah. recharge, 
Like I think Noonan even said the thing they're looking forward to most over this break is just being able to practice right. because they've had so many games that practice has become just sort of a get your work in and keep your body straight. They haven't been able to work on new things or drill right. or really like go at it and uh, on the training ground and just being able to do that will give the coaching staff some chances to add some new wrinkles to things. Which is, again, like, this is what we're doing without practicing. What what happens when Newton and um, and Kenny are actually get their fingerprints a little little deeper into this team? Right. Um, give yeah, Do- think- gives Dominic Kinnear a chance to actually work with Vasquez a little bit. They probably haven't had time to even do that. Right. It would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. I, your point, though, did did sort of crystallize this for me, which is, I don't think I'd be too upset if we lose this game, which I know is a dumb thing to say as a sports fan, but like I a loss here won't bother me. Late night on the road against Vancouver. It's been a hell of a stretch to get to this point. They have plenty of time to recover. I won't I won't be heartbroken with the loss. Now, the, the nature of, of that loss might the, change the, that for me, but the only problem with, well, no, we already lost five to one to St. Louis. We know that's, that's working true. in there somewhere. Like they can just switch <laughs> off for a game. It is there. The only hard part about losing this game is it's like losing the game right before your bye week in the NFL, where right. you lose and then you've got to wait a really long time in order to be like, oh, get that out of my, that taste out of my mouth. You sit in that funk, that right. L sits there on your form table for a really long time. I just have a hard uh, time. Yeah. I have a hard time thinking even a loss here is going to bring the vibes down. Yeah. Like you were supposed to have lost one already. You're overdue for one. If you get one, so be it. You've already won. You won the important ones. You won all the games against Eastern Conference opponents and you won your open right. cups game. That's the other piece of this. It's. I mean, there's a very good chance I will be asleep by the end of this game. Like, <laughs> if we lose, I might not even know it uh, in the moment. It's first day um, of vacation with the in-laws for me. I'll be on a oh, on a beach. I'll be very drunk probably. So this was this would be a good like if you're gonna take a mulligan, yeah. take one where I've probably been drinking all day in the sun. I will say losing to a Western Conference team late at night as an East Eastern Conference team is the ideal loss because. It's hard to get that upset about it. Everybody, even everybody on Twitter, you know, half half the folks on Twitter aren't tweeting that late. Everybody's probably watching in bed or falling asleep, half asleep on the couch. Like the vitriol isn't quite there. <laughs> and, and I've been conditioned by the Reds for years with this is they'll go out west to die and yes. I'll be I'll be asleep midway through the fourth inning. I'll wake up and find out they lost. It just it's what Cincinnati sports teams do when they go out west is they lose. Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't worry about that. Those they're like uh, they don't they don't exist. They're they're almost preseason games that exist out there. Um, So with that being said, we've talked about what we'd like to see. We talked about what we might see. What do you think we will see? Predictions. Uh, Oh, they're going to win one nil. That's what they do. I mean, it's a fair, fair guess. Um, I'm going to say the loss. I'm going to say nil nil draw. That feels about is, right for ending a 10 like a 10 game run. Yeah, just it won't be a disaster, but the offense isn't clicking, but we have enough defense there. Celentano probably plays, maybe not. I mean, who knows what will happen here, but I think we got enough to see out a nil nil draw. Right. I put this on Twitter tonight and I want this to be our final thought because we've been up and down a little bit today. Yeah. Um, it's been a long day. I want to yeah. leave you with this thought, and I want Please. you to see what your thought is on this. I have a take. I'll put it out into the ether right now. 
It is not inconceivable to think Cincinnati could have an MVP in three professional sports leagues playing simultaneously at some point in the next year or two. Lucho Acosta <laughs> for FC Cincinnati, Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals, and Ellie De La Cruz for the Cincinnati Reds. What would happen for, from a sports fan perspective in this city if that star alignment were to occur and we had the best player in each of the sports in this team uh, at a simultaneous moment? Has... Does like a black hole swallow the city at that point and just like the simulation ends? The Crosstown shootout is canceled forever <laughs> for some reason. Like there needs to be a balance. <laughs> no, I love the Crosstown shootout. I know, I know. It would be a sad thing. Riggs um, would be so upset. I guess. <laughs> I man, has that ever happened before? I, like championships no? happen, but multi-sport MVPs has to be. <sighs> Have you I mean, watched any of this Ellie De La Cruz kid? It's insane. Oh my it's absolutely God. insane. <laughs> I've never seen a guy live up to the hype that quickly, that fast in baseball. In baseball. Like So I, I know this isn't we're not a baseball podcast, but I have a plan. And I want you to hear me out on this. I like this plan. Okay. So you've got Ellie De La Cruz. And what he is saying, what people are saying when they watch him is, oh my God, this person is just a difference maker. It's just different. He he set some record running first to third today on a triple. He laid yeah. out a triple on a on a, a ball that Joey Votto probably struggles to make a single out of. Um, <laughs> right. He he hit a home run that almost left the ballpark for his first home run. It hit the <laughs> upper deck of the sun deck. You've got a player like this that makes people say, "Oh my God, what if Bob Castellini decides to make good on years of being cheap, all that money he saved up?" He goes out and gets the other player that has the exact same reaction that draws from people. He goes and gets Shohei Otani and adds him to this team. And you have Ellie De La Cruz and Shohei Otani on the same team. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Otani would love to leave the Angels. I the, there's a great meme out there of like Mike Trout and Otani do something that hasn't been done since the 1800s, and the Angels lose seven to three to the it's Tigers. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like Shohei Otani hit for the cycle and threw a complete game that hasn't been done since Noodles O'Hulahan right, back right. for the Boston Bean Eaters. <laughs> In 1902, Mike Trout added four home runs, and the Angels lost 10 to seven to the right. Detroit Tigers. Right? It's like, man, at some point you want to be showcasing those talents somewhere else. I don't know if the Reds is that, but come man, on, that, that would come be incredible. On. It would be incredible. <laughs> that this is that Ed, has always been my complaint with the Reds, which is you can see the path out, and they won't take. That now, I'm not saying I have to go buy the best baseball player in the world, but um, yeah, like, will they surround this guy with the free agent talent? Will they sell him to the Dodgers right. before his next contract is you up? got Ellie De La Cruz playing for the Reds? Theoretically speaking, you bring Shohei Otani in, you've got Joe Burrow playing for the Bengals. All of a sudden, remember what I said about it being hard to lure talent to Cincinnati? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's at least one or two athletes out there that are playing soccer that you could lure by saying, this is a current mecca for all of the coolest other stars in their right. respective sports. You got to have, you got to get the ownership groups in, in the same room and say, hey, we have to leverage each other. Like right. you need Burrow pitching to these soccer stars to come here and you need, you know, all the, these soccer guys to be 
you know, wooing the the you know foreign baseball players who have their pick of the league to right. come to to Major League Baseball, et cetera. So we sent we we spent all this money. You get Carl and Mike Bre- and the Brown family, which is where this the, this idea falls apart immediately. But just go Probably. with the, the fantasy. <laughs> they all chip in to get Shohei into Cincinnati. We sent Shohei over to Asia to start recruiting for FC Cincinnati in the off season. We send Joe Burrow over to the UK and Germany. <laughs> where they're starting to get into the NFL to start yep. recruiting for FC Cincinnati. Maybe it makes sense for Carl to chip in on both these contracts to get them done and use them solely for recruiting players to FC Cincinnati. I've got the solution. I've got the solution. Uh, like all good, like all good strategies and theories here. It starts with Cincinnati needs to secede from the state of Ohio <laughs> and take take a couple of counties from Indiana and Kentucky while we're at it. We need we need greater Cincinnati here. We start a Republic of Cincinnati sovereign wealth fund. And we start <laughs> buying up a sports media empire or a sports empire. Yes. And it, it becomes. Is there something valuable that. underneath like the ground that we can start extracting in order to make that sovereign wealth fund, you know, have wealth? <laughs> so how valuable would 1950s subway tiles be? Because we might have those underground. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing that Messi signed today, because otherwise we were going to have to do in the 11 and out of the 18. And I was ready to talk about space aliens. How like they've announced aliens are real and we're just not paying attention to this. Wake up. Don't don't worry about it. I was going to drop a take that I am absolutely in love with Apple's headset, and I think it is the future. I'm a believer. I kind of hook, line, and sinker. They got me. No, it's it's, it's <laughs> I forget where I said it, but like you have a $500 VR headset. That's interesting. I don't care. You have a $3,500 VR headset. Well, I'm going to try this out just to see what the hell $3,500 buys me. <laughs> and the second they said it's not attached to a phone or a computer, I was like, that's the future. They did it. Yeah. They did it. The sons of bitches did it. We'll buy them because it's funding Leo Messi's contract. Goddamn it. <laughs> <laughs> MLS it- got a little got a little a little screen time on the VR headset, too, during the demo. It was nice. Yeah. Oh, God. Is that a show? That's a show. Get us out of here, Chief. Fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.